The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the 108 podcast. Da 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 da. Uh, my name is Officer Y. This is episode 33. Not broke, just bent with Tac Mobility and Officer Rich from Florida. What's going on everybody? How you doing today? Hope you guys are enjoying your week and if not, hopefully today's episode will give you a smile and a little skip in your step. My past week has been uh, a little mixed bag. Um you know, I got some news that I wasn't too happy about earlier in the week, and uh, the weekend I worked a lot, and uh, you know, just trying to make the best out of a of a mediocre situation, lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. But uh, you know, you got to focus on the positives, of course, and uh, the positives that I did have, uh, we did Drunk Cops three on Friday night. You know, it's <laughs> if you experienced any of the Instagram live, the little previews of it. Uh, it, it was crazy. It's going to take me a while to edit that, but it'll come eventually. Uh, that's what she said. Anyway, uh, today's episode is going to be great. We're going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be talking about what to do to kind of fix your brain and kind of keep you in the right state of mind, which is tough as always. Um, but what we're going to do first is I got to, I got to, I got to talk about something that's kind of annoying. It's not pissing me off. Listen, guys, I do my best to not get political. Uh, and when I do bring up politics and things that have to do with that or COVID or whatever, I do it in a, in a, uh, humorous fashion. I'm not trying to be divisive. And, and that's, that's where I, that's my disclaimer. I'm not trying to be divisive. I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to point out the absurdities of life. That's what comedy is about, right? So that's where I'm going with this. So I want to preface this and say that this is going to be about the COVID vaccination. Now, I don't care how you feel about it. Like, if you want to get the shot, if you don't want to get the shot, that's cool. I, I don't care. You're an adult. You can make adult decisions. And that's kind of the point of what I'm about to talk about. But um, So by me, my next little rant has nothing to do with should you or shouldn't you get it, but it's how it's being presented. Okay. Like I said, we are all adults. 
and the people that are making the decisions to get the vaccination or not to get it are adults. As such, and we are very intelligent people for the most part, um, we should be allowed to make these decisions. What I have a problem with is government officials bribing and baiting the public to get this vaccine. And I said this years ago. I said this years ago about the flu shot. Someone said, hey, you getting a flu shot? I said, no. They said, why? I said, well, I've never gotten the flu. So, you know, law of averages, why? My, my immune system is doing pretty damn good. I don't need the shot. And they were like, the same argument came up. And this is a good friend of mine, but same argument came up that's coming up today. Oh, well, you're putting others at risk. Okay, then they can get the shot. Like, I don't understand why. I don't understand. So anyway, so my whole idea was, listen, companies are giving away the flu shot. The government is pushing the flu shot. When do you know Target, Walmart to give away money? Right? They're not charging to get this done. Same thing with the vaccine, right? This is when are these multi-million dollar, com- uh, multi-billion dollar companies going to just give away money? Just just not accept this this easy income. And, you know, you could say that they're being altruistic and that, oh, they just want to make sure everyone's vaccinated. Nah, I, I, sorry, red flags popping up big time because capitalists don't give a shit about you or society. They give a shit about their bottom line, right? If they were that altruistic and just, um, you know, doing things for the goodness of their hearts, they wouldn't have sweatshops in third world countries to put their cheap clothes together, right? Right. Okay. So don't talk to me about that. But what really got my goat this week was uh, New York City Mayor de Blasio, and he is sitting there. Now, we've all talked about and we've seen different companies giving away things for uh, getting vaccinated, beer, baseball tickets, all this shit, right? But he's sitting there in a, in a press con. I don't even know what it is, right? But he's sitting in a desk with flags behind him. And he's like, hey, you know, if you get vaccinated, we're going to give you away burgers and fries because, you know, health, right? And uh, and so they get the CEO of Shake Shack, which I haven't gone to Shake Shack in 10 years, right? Over 10 years. Last time I was in New York City, uh, one of the last times I was in New York City, went to the um, Museum of Natural History and we went to Shake Shack. It was good. I actually really liked it. And I was like, oh, man, when they went public, I bought stock just because I was like, yeah, I like their burgers. Good shit. I'm not saying they're going to be ministers of health, though, right? And they say, hey, get your shot so you can have our burger. No, that's, no. So anyway, they had him on this press conference, or it's not even a press conference. It's literally just, it's de Blasio talking to a camera. And the guy's like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll, give, you, we'll give you a gift card, and we'll give you this and that. And then I'm going to play, I made a meme out of it. I've posted the meme. It really looks like a weird sketch from Parks and Rec. Um... So I'm going to play the audio from it of what de Blasio said in this, whatever, this video, this PSA. And I'm going to try my hardest not to uh, interrupt too much, but no promises.
to get vaccinated. So we know we have to make it convenient. We know we have to make it easy. But we also know that uh, incentives help. They really do. And so we've been announcing free tickets, gift cards, all sorts of incentives to encourage people. A lot of people are ready to get vaccinated. They just haven't gotten around to it. They need a little extra incentive. We're doing that now. If people wanted it, they would have gotten it by now, I'm just saying. And we are going to have a live correspondent this morning talk about this and from a site that means a lot to all of us as New Yorkers. Oh, like Ground Zero, like something that represents America and freedom? Because one thing I think that does unite New Yorkers is a love of Shake Shack. Shake Shack? Seriously? You went with Shake Shack? You could have went with pizza. You could have went with the New York Yankees. But no, you went with Shake Shack? Seriously? We're going to get you with a free Shack Burger card every time you get your vaccine. Even better than that are 25 Shacks around New York City. Anytime you go for the next month, you're there grabbing your burger, your chicken sandwich. Show us your vaccine card. We'll get you a free fries on us to say thank you. Did you say free fries when you get vaccinated? Um, I got vaccinated. You're saying I could get this? These delicious fries? I feel like he's talking to children. Like, ooh, this is yummy stuff, huh? Wait a minute. But there's also a, a burger element to this. Let me, let me check with Bill Needhart. Is it too early in the day to eat a burger? No. This can be breakfast? Of course eating a cheeseburger can be breakfast. Of course. We're talking about health here. Okay. I want you to look at this and think about, again, some people love hamburgers, some don't really want to respect all ways of life. He wants to be respectful for people that don't like cheeseburgers, but what about people that enjoy freedom? But if this is appealing to you, just think of this when you think of vaccination. I mean, shouldn't you be thinking of like health when you're thinking about vaccination? No, let's think about cheeseburgers. Okay. Mm. Mr. Mayor, did you just jizz in your pants? Vaccination. Mm. <laughs> I'm getting a very good feeling about vaccination right this moment. Easy there, Bill. It's a burger, not a woman. Thank you to Randy Garudi and, of course, Danny Meyer for doing so much to help us with the recovery. Be sure to watch next week on Parks and Rec where Leslie and Bill try to get more people to go to the park while vaccinating so they give out free heroin to dopeheads. Anyway, what are we doing here, guys? Like, come on. Like... You have to bribe us with children and, or, sorry, sorry. I meant like children, not with children. I'm not talking to Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, um, no, so what is going on here? And by the way, I had to look this up, okay? So they're saying, get your vaccine, which we're going to give you for free. Again, whenever the government or big business wants to give you something for free, be cautious, right? I mean, stimulus checks, right? Yeah, how's that going? Um, okay, so I looked it up, right? So they're giving this to us, and uh, how much does a Shake Shack burger cost? Let's see, nine fifty nine. Now that's that's pretty expensive for a cheeseburger. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, yeah, it's pretty tasty. But come on, ten bucks for a burger, blow me. Okay, but you know you know what you could do to get a burger. Here's a crazy thing. Go to work, get a paycheck. You know, you guys are making 15 bucks an hour, right? Um, and buy the burger yourself. That's a that's a damn good idea. That's crazy. That's what I'm thinking. If you really want the burger so much, you know what? If you really want it, I could give you the 10 bucks. If I'm, like, in line or something, I'm not just going to mail you 10 bucks. What the fuck? Actually, I give you 10 bucks every week I pay my taxes, and then it goes to your, uh, your um, 
unemployment benefits. But anyway, again, I'm not trying to get too political or divisive. I just think the whole thing is silly, and thus I have to make fun of it. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that because I just, my head is spinning. I don't get it. I, it, it, I don't get it. But anyway, on to something I do get. We're going to start our conversation with TAC Mobility and Rich um, from Florida, Arizona, and everywhere in between. So you guys just uh, sit tight, enjoy, and uh, we will be right back. I got broads in Atlanta. All right, we are back and joining me, we've got, uh, this is going to be kind of a different episode. I'm very excited for it though. Joining me from Arizona, we have Erica Gaines with TAC Mobility. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great. And joining me from somewhere in Florida, we have Rich. What's going on, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Not much. All right. So, um, kind of two separate topics, but we're going to meld them together. This is going to be fun. It's kind of like quilting. My girlfriend's kind of teaching me what quilting is. So watch what we do here. Um, all right, Erica, go ahead and, uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us about tech mobility and then we'll kind of go to rich. <laughs> I want to know more about quilting. <laughs> that, right. Ju- just quilting in general. That's all I know. I just know the term. That's all I got right now. That's awesome. Um, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, my name is yeah, Erica Gaines. I am the founder and the CEO of TAC Mobility, which is a law enforcement training organization. Um, so we go to departments and we do in-service and virtual training um, that counts for post. Woot woot. Um, and yeah, we just, we go in and we, we teach you guys how to essentially recover from your shift or perhaps a career thus far in law enforcement. It has a lot of negative impacts. So we show you kind of what's going on in your body, how to take care of it. Um, that way you feel a little bit more equipped to, you know, go into another year of this amazing job of yours. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And of course, we have Rich from Florida. Rich, go ahead and uh, tell us about yourself. Um, Army vet, eight years, one tour in Iraq and uh, with a, a local Central Florida agency for 11 years now. Uh, been patrol, field training officer, crime suppression team, narcotics, and uh, happy to be here. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Really. Very cool. So I don't know. We're going to start. Um, we'll talk about uh, attack mobility. So you said that we're, you know, you talk a lot about, um, the training that you provide to help police officers recover from their shift. What kind of issues do you see come across frequently? I mean, apathy, that's a real big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how do, but how, how do we train to, uh, to get rid of apathy? That's well, I think, you know, apathy comes from the lack of optimism, right? Or feeling like people don't pay attention enough to you. So like, why care? Or it comes from like, well, things aren't going to change. So why care? So Mm -hmm. for us, we kind of go in and we try and teach officers how to identify 
what it is that they need. Um, like, and that's specific to you as an individual, right? The way that you were raised, your dynamics, all that stuff. It makes you who you are. So we help you identify who that person is. And then that helps you kind of get really clear about the things that you can't change. Um, and it, we also give you like coping skills to deal with stress. So apathy mm-hmm. is something that that is developed, but it's also something that can be trained to be less impactful. Yeah. Now, Rich, you have a lot more time on, on the job than I do. Um, you're kind of like right middle of the road as far as like, you know, 10 years, that's a good, that's a good middle of the road spot. How have mm-hmm. you seen your morale go up and down throughout your career? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, with the, in, in 10 years, so much has changed in police work. Um, not so much, I mean, not just from, you know, our policy changes and whatnot, but the technology, uh, as well as how the communities, um, you know, have seen us plus the levels of danger, um, that have, uh, you know, increased over just the simplest of what used to be the simplest of calls. And, um, you know, it's, it, it takes a toll. It, mm-hmm. it really does. Yeah. And I mean, especially in the last, you know, let's say year morale and just not, I, I can't even say public perception because it's perceived public perception because, you know, we kind of get this, um, the, the media is going to tell us all the time that, you know, people don't like the police, people don't like the police, mm-hmm. but I know from personal experience and the people that I've talked to on the show and through the Instagram and things like that, not necessarily like there are still vibrant communities that love the police and the people that don't want the police are the people that are avoiding the police anyway, because they're criminals. So, I don't know, Rich, how have you seen the community response to you being a police officer and patrolling the area? Are they still receptive to you or are they hostile? Oh, no, we have we have a, we live in a great community, great community. We get thanks from everyone. Um, we get praise from everyone. You'll get, you know, letters sent to the chief and which get back to you. And, you know, that gives you a little pep in your step. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, we, we live. We have a great community. Yeah. So Erica, then when you get, you know, these calls to do these apathy trainings and trying to help morale, because it's still a thing. Absolutely. It's a thing. What, what kind of tactics do you take to kind of break that? And, and not only that, but you know, when you're told again and again, like, Hey, no one wants the police. Everyone wants the police defunded, things like that. Whether you see it on a daily basis or not, you know, in your community, it still wears on you. So you're still going to go into the work going, well, what's the point? So, you know, what do you have as far as that? You get that a lot. <laughs> I, want you, I want you to fix all of this right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's literally everything that you just said, Rich. Your job has changed so freaking much. It's mind blowing to me how much your jobs have changed when I think about how much kind of happens behind closed doors and how unhealthy our family dynamics have become, it, it makes sense that your guys's call volume has increased and like evolved into some wild shit. Um, so basically what I do when I go into an apartment is I spend a significant amount of time acknowledging your experience, which I think that has been lacking in the past, especially when it comes to either outside um, specialists that come in, right? Such as myself, I'm not a police officer, I'm I'm a civilian. So 
outsiders coming in, kind of telling you what you need to do and telling how you feel um, and then giving you these kind of like outlandish and like unpractical solutions. So there's there's that or there's internal issues in terms of a lot of times your experience isn't acknowledged and it's just kind of like you're voluntold to do stuff or you shut the fuck mm-hmm. up or you just you just do it. And there's a lot of a lot of that happening. So when I go into a department, I bring up a, a date a whole bunch of data that we've collected on law enforcement officers. And we just kind of start going through and breaking down what it is that we're hearing from you. Um, And I think because that's such a, that's such a refreshing thing. It kind of opens the door and sort of disarms people into maybe getting curious about what I might have to say. Um, So that's kind of been how I, I, have had or been successful thus far is just relating to what you guys are going through. It's hard. Yeah, it it definitely is hard. And I know, you know, I can speak from personal experience where if they bring in a therapist or a counselor or something after a critical incident for a debrief where they lose everybody, especially the more hardened, saltier guys that have been on for a while, they've seen a lot more stuff where they lose them is they try to tell you how you're feeling. They try to tell you what you're going through, how, you know, and if someone, you know, kind of a, a guy that's been through a lot, they say, you know, oh, well, this really didn't affect me because I've seen worse because I've been at war or because of whatever. Then they, you know, the therapist is going to try to twist that. And you get this. And I spoke about this when we had uh, when I had Nick Wilson on for uh, the resiliency project. He's like, there's no cultural um, uh, understanding about what police really do. And and that's where I think, you know, when people try to tell us, that are on the outside, like, like you, Erica, when they try to tell us what to do, we're, we all, you know, and, and, and in, a, in a therapeutic kind of way, we already have these walls built up. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the way you go about it is very important. Um, well, and, and I think too, one thing that I totally forgot to even mention is I've spent so much time with you guys in a non therapist, non-counselor, non-instructor setting where I'm just selling you switchblades like at training Mm -hmm. conferences that I've been able to develop so many relationships. And one of the cool things that I don't think a lot of people get to know about you guys is so much of your community is built on integrity and like Mm -hmm. who you know. Um, And so a lot of people are going, Hey, yeah, you can trust Erica. Like she's not full of shit or like you can, you can trust her with what you're going to say, whatever. So I think like just putting in that time and, and showing up and being there, like in the dark with people, it's like, Oh, okay. We can go there with you. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and kind of going back to, to the previous, um, topic, like Rich, you know, back me up on this when you have a counselor or someone outside coming in or a consultant or whatever, it's kind of hard to relate to them or it's hard to think that they relate to you. It's, you know, and that's true. And I, I've even myself have broken down that, that barrier. I used to be that way. I mean, even when in difference between the military and law enforcement, civilian law enforcement, cause I was military law enforcement as well. So just that different dynamic there. I used to be, I can't speak to any of my law and civilian law enforcement buddies about my military one. And that was kind of a, I don't want to say selfish wall, but it was, it didn't make sense, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to talk to anybody about anything 
That's, but I mean, that's something I've learned as I've gotten older and dealing with what I've had to deal with, that just talking to anybody about anything just to get that weight off your shoulders. Right. But I, I used to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's great that you're saying that. And Erica, what you said is right. You know, we kind of, in law enforcement, very big networking, you know, and like you said, word of mouth is so important. That's the reason why my page is where it's at is like you said, if if Rich is going to vouch for you, this is, Hey, you know, tech mobility is this great company. You should check it out. Well, I'm going to check it out. Uh, It's going to be way better than someone just trying to cold sell me and be like, Hey, this is what you need to do. So you're absolutely right. So I don't know. We're, we're talking, the the conversation's changed, right? Because when I came into the, into the profession, mental health became um, more okay to talk to. And now, you know, five, six years in, it's the, the conversation is open. Everyone's more open about it. But Rich, when you started, what was the conversation like with mental health? Was it? I mean, it was, was a, it was a stigma, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, even, let me see, I was military police from 2000 to 2008. So even back then, I mean, it, it was a stigma. Even when I started, you know, with my agency now, it was kind of like, I'm not going to, you know, let them know about this just mm-hmm. in case I don't get hired. Yeah. You know, in the back of your mind is, I mean, I mean, I knew then what I know now. I mean, right. that's a little bit different. Right, right. There's also, if I could just kind of add to, it, this totally just came to me because I was like, why that's so interesting that the stigma existed then. And there's lots of conversation about the stigma still exists, blah, blah, blah. I hear it all the time. And then I see younger people who are like willing to have these conversations. So just right now I started wondering, like, I wonder if it's a mixture of, yes, there's a stigma that kind of prevents you from moving forward. But I wonder if a large part of that is like lack of awareness that there's even an issue because in the, in the surveys that we, conduct, we're like, hey, how would you rate yourself in terms of like your mental health? Would you say that you're content? Would you say that you're, you know, it's like a small scale, you know, one, I'm at risk, five, totally content, whatever. And we get a lot of folks that say that they're content. But then when we ask them if they are experiencing very kind of textbook PTSD symptoms, they're like, yes, 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 yes. So I, I think there's a disconnect of what stress symptoms look like and how they kind of play out in our lives. And I think, um, I think awareness helps with that, which is one thing that our organization really is committed to doing through our social media. Um, so if you ever follow along with us, you kind of get to see us trying to smash not only stigmas, but also just kind of make you aware of some simple things. Like, um, I posted yesterday, uh, diminished interest in activities. Like Mm -hmm. that is a textbook PTSD symptom Mm -hmm. textbook. But if you don't know that that's a symptom, you're probably going to feel like there's something wrong with you. If you don't feel interested in shit that you used to be, or you might feel like you need to isolate more because you don't have those positive feelings and it's going, Oh no, no, no. (laughs) It's just because you don't have happy chemicals in your body because you've been hypervigilant for so long. Like this isn't you, this is just your chemistry, which actually, sorry to rant, but you were mentioning when they, when your department brings in a psychologist and they're telling you how you should feel. One of the things that I think is dangerous is informing people how they should feel and 
I think it's more important to show them how their body physiologically responds. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can, again, I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what things matter to you. And honestly, most people don't know (laughs) what matters to them until they're faced with a situation and they're like, fuck, okay. That just brought out some like mommy daddy wound or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't know. So I think it's important to just let people know you're not fucking special. Your body is going to respond the same way, whether you're white, black, Indian, Mexican, you've been on shift for five years or 25 years, your body still goes through a process because it's an organism, you know? That's, that's a great, great point. Um, you know, you can't argue with the science. And when you have quantitative data that's saying, hey, no, this is what's happening when these things are happening to you, then it starts, again, you stop feeling special and it's like, oh. So you mean there's more people like me that are going through this and that's mm-hmm. the way you said is perfect. Yeah. You're not our, our, and this is what happens when we, when we isolate, we're essentially like our community becomes ourself. And if our community is mentally unwell, then we come up with these ideas that allow us to think that we're different. And because of the stigma that exists within the culture that says you can't show signs of weakness, that means that no one else not no one else, but most folks aren't like wearing their problems on their sleeve and mm-hmm. you know walking around crying about their problems. Right, right. <laughs> and you know, it's kind of put into your your mind, especially in like the police academy when you're starting out. Like you know, you need to be tough. You need you can't show. Mm-hmm. I th- I think you know you can't show weakness. You can't show cowardice. And I think people start confusing what cowardice is what you know stress is and things like that so it's like oh i can't say that things are bothering me because then i'm a coward and then i can't be a police officer plus we learn you know early on to you know compartmentalize Mm -hmm. especially when we deal with different situations and uh you know when you when you deal with a stressful you'll see your body you know even with through body cam you'll see your body you know start you know doing this kind of thing you Uh know get in there and then boom, you go from that call to hey, something, something petty. I don't want to say petty, but you know, compared to what we've just been through, you know, and then you just got boom. Hey, that goes over there. That situation's over there. Yeah. Move on to the next. But you know, we're taught that way. And then it becomes normalized. And once it becomes normalized and you're in that deep hole, it's, I mean, it's tough to get out. Yeah. And I've talked to different people. I've talked to project mm-hmm. one hundred nine about, it. I've talked about the resiliency project where the compartmentalization is a hundred percent me, you know, and in mm-hmm. a, in a given shift, you're going to go from, you know, a retail theft, a domestic, a dog to a hostile, you know, critical incident. And then, all right, now we're going to go back to the civil call. Like it's just going to go and everything needs to be kind of broken down and put away all within 12 hours. You know what I mean? So you're not given enough time. And even, you know, at the end of the day, when you're going to decompress, it's not enough. You're not going to get all those boxes open and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that. Um, you know, Erica, what, what do you, you know, what have you seen as far as like the guys that you've talked to and, you know, opening up those boxes? Cause eventually there's going to be too many boxes and they're just going to fall out of the closet. Well, I just kind of want to acknowledge that that's partially true. 
all the boxes won't come falling out of the closet or falling off the shelf if <laughs> off the shelf if you decide to process through one call. Okay, and that's one of the stigmas is that if I deal if I if I fuck with this, I'm fucking with all of it, and that's not true. Um, I think that that's, I think that that can happen when you don't have resources and tools to, to deal with, um, kind of unearthing whatever is going on stress wise or trauma wise, whatever, but it's not an all or nothing thing, even though that's how you're wired. Okay. So that's just kind of some of the programming that comes from your training is to be all in that's, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. But one of the things that I've experienced is, everything that you're saying is so true. Like there's the variety of call of calls that you guys have and what that requires from you physically and emotionally. It's so interesting to me that you guys haven't been like on like a mandatory scale that you guys haven't been taught how to de-accelerate your bodies. Mm-hmm. You know what no, I mean? Like, no, like they don't teach that. <laughs> no. like, They're trying to, they are starting to. Yeah. So when you talk about like, you know, in the cam and your hands are shaking in the training, we show you how to identify physiological markers to trauma and your brain recognizes trauma in in the simplest of ways as something that's surprising. Like, like what the fuck? Like, oh, what are we doing? Like something that you just like, you just weren't prepared for or surprising or just like it or it scratches like an existing wound from like your past or something like that. Right. Your brain, your brain sees that and it goes, oh, no. And you then have lots of different reactions because of your hormones. And so I think if we can just one, make you aware of when you're shaking, that means that you've lost your ability to access your logical thinking. So now what you need to do is take the body, take the system back over because it's been hijacked. It's no longer in your control. And that's a liability that's not helpful for you or the situation or your family or anyone. So it's going, okay, now that I can recognize some of these responses in my body that again are textbook, not special, then I can start to practice the training techniques that I've learned on how to deaccelerate my body and they're effective as fuck. Like the science just shows it. Like breathing mm-hmm. is one of the most like quick and effective ways to, to um, bring homeostasis to your body. And I don't think a lot of folks put, give enough weight to it. Cause it's like the fuck you want to fucking breathe. Mm-hmm. No, that's not fucking tactical. Actually. No, they even named it tactical breathing. Cause you guys, cause you guys yes. can handle <laughs> no tactical breathing. Sure. Right. I'll do that. That sounds commando enough. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Uh Yeah. That's right. But we kind of, we show you the science of what that's doing. So, you know, bringing in additional carbon dioxide to your body is going to increase or or bringing in air is going to increase your carbon dioxide levels, which is going to inform your heart rate to slow down. Because again, your body, when it's in states of happiness or flow or coherence, the heart rate is very steady. The body is very steady. So your body wants to go back to that. And so it's just just paying a little extra attention and, and then practicing the things. Right. That's amazing. Like, you know, like you said, something as simple as breathing, just like we think of something simple as water, like little things will just, you know, I guarantee you that 90% of the cops listening are dehydrated. Simple things will help you proceed and get better. Um, 
you know, because even even myself, I think about breathing. It's like, okay, I'll do one big deep breath. All right, I'm good to go. But it's it, there's way more than that, and and we just don't think of that because it's not taught to us. Like, and these are things that should be taught to us, but mm-hmm. it never is. I can't think of one academy class where we talked about breathing. No, I got nothing. Really? <laughs> you know, it's. I, I think again, you guys, you haven't been taught, which is why there, which is why suicide is like the number one cop killer. Like it just stress has impacts that are immeasurable. So one of the kind of little story, one of the questions on our survey is what is your opinion about medication use? Less than 1% of officers think that it's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, one of my best friends is a psychiatrist and we were talking and I was naming some of the arguments that people say, and they're like, I don't think that it's healthy for the body or I don't think, you know, and then she goes, do you know what the physical effects of PTSD and stress are on the body, like immediate and long-term? And she just starts laying it out in terms of what sleep deprivation does, what angry outbursts do. And just, and I was like, Holy shit. I have never once considered the impacts of stress versus the alternative, which is to mm-hmm. just try something new and feel better. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And, and Rich, if, if I can just lean on your experience a little bit, um, you were talking uh, before we started about PTSD and how you know you've experienced it from the military and you've experienced it from law enforcement. So now that she's talking about the physical physiological effects of it, uh, can you weigh in a little bit on that? No, absolutely. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's ruined relationships. I mean, you don't. I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about, but you know, but that's why I'm here to talk about it. Is um, you don't you don't understand what it's doing to you at the time it's happening. Um, it wasn't until, I mean, when I was a lot younger in the army, um, I was just like, I ain't got it, you know, whatever. It was what it was. And, um, as I'm getting older, I mean, I'm 44 now. So I noticed that these funks that I get into seem to be increasing. That's I've reached out to the VA still waiting for a call back, but (laughs) you know, that's another issue. But um, yeah, I mean, it's ruined relationships um, and not even knowing because I mean, I didn't have the outburst, but I got the, you know, antisocial or, you know, don't want to do anything. But uh, in the past year or so, you know, I've, I've picked it up, started trying to find uh, different hobbies, started CrossFit. Um, even been doing, I've been watching uh, Erica's videos, I got a lacrosse ball on the way. Just so you know. Yay, um, I dropped everything off today. <laughs> I mean, I used it at CrossFit. They got a lacrosse ball and I was doing all I was like, man. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's rough and it's sad that it, it takes this long because some people they don't know what to do, who to turn to, or whatnot. And um, unfortunately for some of them, it's you know, too late. Yeah. What you were saying in the very beginning, Erica, about awareness, because you'll you'll start naming off symptoms for PTSD or or you know uh, just stress in general, and it's so easy to discredit that and be like, oh no no, I'm just I'm just not sleeping well, you know, I just you know things are going, you know, I'm not uh, my bed's not comfortable, it's too hot, whatever, you know, making excuses, but then as these things start adding up, if someone was more aware of it and they were taught properly, they'd be like, oh no, this is 
I, I really need to go talk to somebody. And it's, you know, it's, it's so unfortunate because like you said, Rich, by the time you realize it, sometimes it's too late and you know, it's, it's, you've got these things. So you guys are absolutely right with all that. Um, I want to add quick too, that there's one of, one of the other common side effects is negative beliefs. Persistent negative beliefs. So sometimes there is like this little piece of this process that some folks forget in that you're going to feel better. Like in, in the process of figuring out some of these things, you will start to feel more like yourself or, or you'll start to be able to choose more of how you want to act. So like um, examples so of sleep most officers that completed our survey, I think it's like a super small percentage that actually get um, more than seven or that get six hours of sleep or more. (laughs) Most people are getting less than that. Um, When you have increased brain activity, just in terms of you have different types of brain waves and your brain needs a certain level, a certain slow type of brain wave in order to fall asleep right? It's got to go into like this dream state. So the brain waves, like everything has to be primed, right? So one thing that you can do is you can start doing guided sleep meditations. You can Mm -hmm. look at the different Mm -hmm. brain waves. You can do breathing techniques and things like that, that will at least get your body physiologically in a space where whenever you're ready emotionally to fall asleep, if that's an issue, you'll be able to. So I think like, I really want people to remember too, like when we're doing all of these things in terms of recovery, you get like along the way is enjoyable too. Right. Right. I remember when I first started, um, I got the, that app uh, headspace and, and I was doing meditations and things like that. And then they added the component for sleep, uh, guided sleep meditations. And that was just, I had so much trouble falling asleep when I first started. And again, I blamed, FTO. I, I blame day shift, all this stuff. You know, I was stressed yeah, out about that. Monsters that you had on shift. <laughs> Probably part of that too. Mm-hmm. But, but then, you know, once I found <laughs> that and, and, you know, I know now to cut out my monster, you know, maybe two hours before the end of my shift or something, but yeah, all those things help. And, and you're absolutely right. And for me now, it's like, I can fall asleep. No problem. I'm good at that. But staying asleep or sleeping long enough, that's where my issue is now. And, and, you know, I've contacted different, you know, my, my counselor and my doctor and we're working on it, but it's just crazy how all these different sleep issues and when you're not sleeping, then, you know, you're going to be more anxious at work. You're going to be not thinking properly. And it's just a bad, bad snow snowball effect. Well, and if you're, if you, if you're able to spend more time during your shift, finding moments of recovery, then when you get home, you don't have to crash so hard in order for your body to find that homeostasis because that's essentially what your body is doing it just the only coping skills that it might have might be unhealthy so that might look like going into your dungeon and like drinking the night away Mm -hmm. but really that's your body's way of trying to calm itself down so it can feel some of those more comfortable emotions so if you if you find homeostasis more often throughout your shift then home life can feel like what it what you want it to feel like, which right, is what it's supposed comfort. to be. Yeah. What about what about you, Rich? Have you had any issues sleeping or decompressing after work? Has that kind of gotten easier with time, or? Um, it's actually easier now that I'm single, because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to stay up, spend time, you know, 
yeah. with the girlfriend or the wife. You know, I got because I get up at three o'clock to be at work by five. You know, I'm a I'm an early guy, so I don't like to rush. I get up. I don't snooze. I'm up. I get to work early. Early's on time. On time is late. You know, that whole whole deal. But it, it, once I figured out I had sleep apnea, <laughs> you know, I, I'll get home. I'll turn on Big Bang Theory because it's a marathon at night because I need the noise. For some reason, I still mm-hmm. need the noise. Yeah. And then I've seen all the episodes, so I don't care if I miss it. But I got the noise, set the timer on the TV, and I'm out. I get it. I get a good six to eight hours of sleep, no problem. Because I don't, you know, my kids are grown. They're adults. They're out of the house. It's just me in here, two dogs, two cats. I Sleep is no problem no more. Right, right. Well, that's good. That's good that you kind of, you figured out what works for you and what you need to hit your. After this, yeah, it took this long, but hey. <laughs> you know, but, but like we're saying, so many people don't figure it out. And then, you know, and obviously you're, you're doing CrossFit, you're getting lacrosse balls. So like, you know, you're, you're figuring out what works for you and that's good. And now hopefully this message will reach guys starting out. And when I say guys, I mean, guys and girls, it's just easier just to say one syllable as opposed to five. Um, But yeah, it's reaching these new, new officers coming out. (laughs) Three, three. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, how the fuck did he count that? I know, I know. (laughs) I do have a question. I do have a question. So you had mentioned something earlier about how you were in the military and then you went to law enforcement. Um, I just found out that a friend of mine, well, I use that term loosely, an acquaintance of mine, similar story went from military to law enforcement, um, medically retired and is now going to become a firefighter. And I'm going, this feels really familiar you're from the military. Do you have lots of frenzies that that do that same thing? Yes. I mean, when you get out of the military, no matter what your job was in the military, you're kind of thinking, what? How? What's what transition? I could transition transition to the civilian version of what I did, but for some reason, it always it always goes back to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. All different. Uh, they call them MOS, military occupational specialty, but um, I don't know why that transitions. Maybe it's because of what they did in Iraq or Afghanistan, because they rarely did their jobs um, specifically because they needed people to do this or to do that. But it just seems like that was the, the closest thing to the military without being military in the civilian world was law enforcement. I mean, that's all I can think of. But yeah, a lot of my friends have transitioned military to law enforcement. So one of the things that our brains do is it, it looks for familiarity because that's like a programming that it understands, right? Like it doesn't have to exhaust extra energy to come up with a new solution and errors and all that stuff. So the reason I asked is I just wonder, I want, like, is that decision to be a firefighter, is that his decision or is that just the brain like just choosing for him? Like this is what we're going to do because it's familiar. We know how to get through mm-hmm. it. Is that a thing? So I actually, I had a uh, neurobiologist on uh, episode five, and she talked about the COMT gene that we have in the brain. And basically it's, it's what our uh, warrior or warrior, that's what it comes down to. You're going to be one or the other. And 
those of us in law enforcement, the military, first responders in general, we are more prone to just having public service. Like that's just where our brain is. We want to be out there and helping people. And it kind of lends itself to all these different facets. So I think to kind of answer your question in a very layman's terms, I think it is something that in the chemicals within our brain is kind of, we're pre-designed to do that. And it's, it's actually a hereditary thing. Like Rich, I don't know about your family, but do you have first responders or military in your family? My dad's a retired Colonel. My two brothers are majors in the army. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, my dad is a retired law enforcement. My brother is from the Marines. So it's, again, it's kind of a hereditary thing. And if you ask any law enforcement or military or any first responder, I, I would, I would bet 90% of them are hereditary in one sense of the way. So I think it, it is something in our brain. So I wonder, I wonder like if it might be more helpful to like, think, I don't know, maybe to like get curious about that question, because I just think, you know, we kind of go, I go back to where we started the conversation and how much your job has changed there's so many officers that I've met with similar stories where they come from this like long line of police officers or military and they do it and they kind of have that, that service ingrained in them from the get go. Mm -hmm. But with the way that the world is going and also the way, like I don't see it changing anytime soon. I wonder how many police officers actually want to be police officers and Mm -hmm. just aren't able to ask that question because so much time and energy and commitment has gone into these careers. Like, your livelihood, everything is wrapped up into this job, but this job is completely changed and doesn't have any sign of it going back to what it was going to be. How does that feel to like, is that like uncomfortable? Like, is that top, like, how's that feel? I know for me, it just takes just that one call of helping somebody, Mm -hmm. even whether it's to a tragedy or, or one of just helping them genuinely helping them and seeing the, you know, without them saying it, but the thank, thank you in their eyes or their emotion. And I mean, boom, I'm good for a day. I don't care what happens the rest of the day, just that one act. And that happens almost daily. Um, well, I mean, I work almost daily, but that's all. <laughs> but um, just, that's all that takes. Just that one simple act. Right. And I think what we saw a lot in the past year is people wanting to get out um, because of just the, like you said, the narrative of the world has kind of shifted. Um, but a lot of them, a lot of the people that I talked to are like, well, I don't know what else to do. Like, oh. you know, I, I graduated high school. I either went to the military or went to the police academy and then I got out of the, the military or whatever. And I've been doing it since I was 18. And now I'm, you know, in my thirties and my forties, I don't know what else to do. And I got to put, food on my plate, you know, food on my family's table. And then, so you're, you're right, Erica. I think there is still the, the, um, the gratitude that we get from the street. Like I still feel the same way. Rich says like, I, I genuinely love this job. I love this profession. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people still do too, but a lot of people are saying that, you know what, the risk isn't worth that reward anymore. So I, I see both sides of it. I definitely yeah. do. So as far as guys that are in it and want to get out, and I, I talked about this in my in my one episode where I talked to someone that did leave the job, like there are things that we are good at besides law enforcement. You know, you could be an insurance adjuster, you could be a teacher, you could do all these different things that isn't law enforcement, but you learn skills through law enforcement. So there are options out there, 
But like Rich said, you know, at the end of the day, it still feels good to genuinely help somebody. And when you know that you've, you know, changed their life in a positive way or you've saved a life, you're like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm good for another week. Like, this is good. Like, I can step back from the ledge and things are okay. But it's definitely something that we need to, and by we, I mean the community as, as a whole and each individual officer within it, we need to be cognizant, cognitive of this change. Because like you said, it's not going to go back to the way it was. Right, the, like the, it's... the world that we had last year and the world that we had five years ago is gone. Bye. Which is unfortunate and scary. I don't mean to sound flippant with that. Sorry. No, no. Uh, but what we need to do is embrace the change that is coming. Not, not talking about defunding, but we need to embrace some change because there are going to be changes to policies and procedures and things like that. And hopefully be proactive in it as well. Like don't just accept whatever the government passes down. Like this is how you're going to do your job as, as the officers that are working the job, we need to be able to say, no, this makes absolutely no sense. You're making me unsafe. And if they're not going to listen, then you need to consider other avenues. That's where, that's my line in the sand. When you're going to make me unsafe at work, it's time for me to go do something else. Well, and I think too, this is why recovery is really important because you know, you guys talking about how like, it's that one call that kind of makes everything worth it. You know, you said like, I can come down off the ledge. In my opinion, like that's too expensive. It is. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it in hindsight, it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, how many calls are you going to go to or how many interactions with the public coworkers, you know, this negative thing to get to that one call, you know, so you're going to, you're going to, yeah. and then you're risking burnout. You know, because you're going to be going That's inevitable, right? That's it's inevitable. You are going to inevitable, right? Right. So, yeah, it's 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 that yes. risk reward balance, and it's like the, you know, just from this last two minutes of conversation, the the scale's pretty tipped. But well, and again, I think so much of how a lot of you were formed is that you grew up learning that this was someone else's identity as well. So then you take on this identity as your own. So when that starts to shift, you self-doubt, you become pessimistic, you get really fearful, all these things, because it's not what you originally, that's not how you were formed, right? Mm -hmm. But it's going, man, you can still be a police officer, but if your identity is not in being the police officer, and, and I, I'm not here to tell you how to do that because I don't, I still see glitter and unicorns and I think that the world is really great. Okay. So my, my brain is just a little bit different <laughs> based on my experiences. So like you get to decide how much of your, you know, if you're a hundred percent of your life, what percentage of that is police officer? Cause then, then when things happen, they don't hold as much weight because you're not like, you're not looking for like that call that's going to get you through, you know, you're weak because it's shit otherwise. Like, right. so you, we, I want to help officers to need less from their jobs. I want to help you feel heard. I want to advocate for your role in society and, you know, especially where the world is going in terms of conversation about law enforcement or just laws in general. I think that your guys's perspective and your humanity needs to be input into this conversation in a way that's going to help keep us safe in really smart, logical ways. But I also think it's, it's in the same ways that that's going to be hard for folks to hear that might not understand the world, the ways that you do, it's going to be really hard for you guys to understand too, that progression 
is going to look different than oh, yeah. the way that things were. Like, so I think if everyone just buckles up and agrees that we're going to get super uncomfortable, I think that some good shit's going to come out of, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I don't know of a, an organization or a training company or, or anyone that's like TAC Mobility that's going, no, no, no. We need to help our officers feel better because they've been dealing with our city's trauma and like all of our issues with their own, mind Mm -hmm. you. And now we've gotten to a place where the rest of the world is so progressive in terms of our healing and discovery and awareness and progression. But you guys haven't had the privilege to be able to learn those things because you don't have the time. Mm -hmm. You have a shift tomorrow or you have a family. That's not right. Fair. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to cram it into an hour of, of oh. training. training. And, yeah. And Where it's just, you it, are the bad guy in this scenario, well, no fucking matter what, or they're boring as shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. you're right. That's where, that's where it all comes down to. And, you know, we, we've kind of been touching on it a little bit. Uh, this whole reform movement, I'm sure that's kind of caused a lot of extra stress. I'm sure Erica, you've seen it come to you through, you know, people that you've trained, what, what is that kind of done? Um, cause that's, that's basically this progressive change we're talking about is, is the reform movement and everything. So, you know, how is that really, how have you seen it, Erica? Do you want to know statistics? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so since George Floyd, so we have, we have three anonymous surveys. One of them is on law enforcement and cumulative stress, which I don't know if you two have done it, but you fucking need to. (laughs) Okay. We have a second one for um, Leo spouses or significant others. And then we have our third, which is restructuring police. And that is a a police perspective. So since the George Floyd incident occurred last year, this is what officers have reported to us. There has been a 62% decrease in sleep. 60% 60% decrease in movement, 61% increase in anger, 65% decrease in optimism, 56% increase in fear, 55% decrease in happiness, 84% increase in stress, and 72% increase in anxiety. That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, I'm feeling a little irked, or at least, like, irked adjacent, and then these guys bring in their bad vibes? Bro, I'm straight up not having a good time. But, you know, it. it I'm, you're, I'm hearing those numbers, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's kind of in line. I haven't taken the test, but <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, yeah I'm, just put you down as taking yeah. the test. Yeah, really. <laughs> so to everyone listening, Mobility org slash survey. You can find all three of those surveys available. Have your spouses do them. I promise you they want to roast the shit out of you and get real honest. They're all anonymous. So that's the cool part too, is that we don't, you can be as honest as you want. And I don't get to know anything except for your state. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, that's terrifying to, to think of how that's, that's what the herd is thinking. That's the herd mentality right now. And it's just, it's terrifying. And to think of everything from the moment George Floyd happened to right now, all the things that have happened in the world, it is, it's a very uncertain time. And, and, and we police officers have to, you know, suit up every day and, and go to work. Like it's another day. It's another day. And it's, you know, and there's no outlet unless you have, you know, a therapist or someone to talk to or a significant under, other or dog or whatever, someone that you can positively confide in. Yeah to really, you know, say what you're feeling. And it's, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that, you know, thinking of the people that I work with, 
I'm curious what their thoughts are, but I'm sure it's very in line with what that survey says. And nobody's talking about it. Well, because how are you going to talk about it? In right. all honesty, majority of police officers are white. So if you talk about something that is heavily race influenced, it's already like, like you're, no one's touching this with right, right. pole. And if you, and if it is talked about, it's again, it's going to be an outsider that's talking about it in a way that makes you demonized and mm-hmm. dehumanizes your experience. So then, you know, again, if progress is the goal, that's not happening. Um, so I think it is really, I, I think, let me just say this. I think that everybody deserves to be able to get really honest about how they feel about how things have been and where they want to go. I think that we all just deserve to talk about that because the alternative is that we just blow up the United States. Like it feels like that's right. where we're fucking going. And it's mm-hmm. the, you guys, your job is on the line no matter what. So you might as well just start fucking talking about things and helping bring some and help bring some balance to the dialogue, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, we, I, I, I understand. I, I understand when I'm, when I'm looking at, when I'm list, when I'm reading the DMs and I'm hearing how be, like how burnt out you guys are, it just makes so much sense that you feel the way that you do, that you have so much apathy towards this job, towards social issues, because like, are things really going to change? So for me, I, I want you guys to know that like, I hear you and I, I, I don't have all the answers, but I do know in the process of talking about some of the stuff, I'm going to try and show you how to make some of your muscular tension go away. And I'm going to try and help you sleep a little bit better and enjoy your family a little bit better and help people understand your experience a little bit more. And I'm going to share stories that might make you feel uncomfortable in the process too. Right. But I think those uncomfortable stories and the uncomfortable conversations are so important because like you said, they're not being had, they're not, you know, and how are they going to be had? So by having this peer to peer network and sharing these things, that's so important. And it's, you know, yeah, it's gotta be that conversation that you you don't want to listen to, but kind of get forced upon it, you know? So um, if people, I mean, there's actually an opportunity to get involved with it. If you guys are familiar with TTPOA, um, the Texas Tactical Association, um, really big association, they're actually doing an open enrollment training in July. The first day, the first part of the day is going to be like the post-training for TAC Mobility. But then the last two and a half hours is a live panel discussion about what does restructuring police look like from a patrol perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a space where you can talk about the things that make you really upset. <laughs> like when someone calls you racist all the time or some of the bullshit that you hear that, you know, make you really mad. You need to be able to talk about that stuff in order to move forward. Very, very cool. Um, guys, this was a great conversation. I think there's a lot that needs to be talked about. And I think we've definitely started to, talk about un- unboxing things. We really talked about a lot of them. Um, Erica, ha- if someone wanted to get in contact with TAC Mobility, um, first off, the the one thing I did want to talk about is your trainings. Obviously, um, do you travel? Are they available online? How do we get involved with your trainings? 
Yes, we have three different ways that you can do that. We have virtual um, post training. So you'll get four hours and you'll be on a Zoom call with 25 other police officers across the world. Um, we have in-service training. That's again, international, um, but that's me coming to you and you'll get like a very one-on-one -on -one experience. And then for those of you that don't have as much of a time commitment or funding is an issue, we have an online um, two-hour condensed version that is typically on sale for like $50. Okay, perfect. And if someone wanted to reach out to you or your organization, how do they do that? Um, TACMobility.org is the best place, or you can follow along on social media. We respond to all of our DMs. Um, so Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of them. <laughs> all of the above. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And um... <laughs> Only drug addict, only criminals and 20-year-olds are on Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right on that. Um, <laughs> Delete app. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I should make like training available on like OnlyFans. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that would be such a good idea. You could easily, yeah, absolutely. No, you no, could no, easily market clothes. that. No, 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 no. I'm wearing clothes. I'm just showing up on the platform. Right. Right. For exactly. That would be the the biggest Perfect. switch. <laughs> all right guys before we wrap it up we're going to play two quick games we're going to play overrated or underrated so i'm going to give you something and you tell me if it's overrated or underrated or equal or adequately rated and then we're going to wrap it up with signal three you guys ready for it let's do it all right we'll start ladies first so we'll start with erica and here we go dogs wearing sunglasses overrated unless they're goggles like the tactical goggles those uh -huh. are so fucking cute Rich, what do you think? Really? My dogs would never wear it. Overrated. <laughs> All right. Uh, fireworks. <sighs> mm, right where they should be. Magical. Love okay. it. Give me Rich? more. Only during New Year's and 4th of July, for the love of God. Right. And the brother. So they're right where they should be. Okay. PTSD. Boom, boom. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> Barbershop quartets. Hey. Underrated. What is that? This, okay. Wait, so like, no. Wait, wait. Are they overrated or are they underrated? They're overrated. Okay. Okay. Rich? I mean, where do you see them? I mean, do you really see them? Would I enjoy them? I'd enjoy them. I think they're underrated. Okay. All right. Uh, what about straight men winking at each other? Love it. Should happen more. Underrated. That's yeah, right where it should be. I wink at you right now, Charlie. There you go. Perfect. Uh, what about doomsday preppers? <laughs> I don't understand preppers. I And I know that both of you motherfuckers have at least two go bags. I don't get it. <laughs> and it, it makes... I could not live... For longer than three days, if I if it came down to it, <laughs> he's like he puts away his like freezer dried strawberries. <laughs> I have MREs, military. I'm ready to go. Zombie apocalypse. I'm in a two story house. I'm ready to go. I don't um, know right where it should be. Okay, <laughs> uh, laser tag. Awesome. Like it's right where it should be. Yep, absolutely. All right, um, cowboy hats. Mm, underrated. Mm-hmm. Now, see, country music gets me in that funk. So, I mean. Oh, what? Country dancing, too? 
Just country music because they're the most patriotic. I didn't get into country until I got in Iraq. So that. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's triggering. Okay. Triggering. Okay. All right. That's fair. Boys are hot. So I'm going to go with they're underrated. (laughs) (laughs) The girls are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jigsaw puzzles. The fuck is a jigsaw puzzle? Just a puzzle. Yeah. Just a normal puzzle. Like a, like a puzzle puzzle. Yeah. Puzzle puzzle. Like the cardboard ones with the picture. Um, I think that they are overrated because I just bought a thousand piece one that I'm supposed to fucking frame. And now I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right where it should be. I don't no. care either way. All right. Um, I'm not yet. How about security guards? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking savage. Because of my career, I'm going to say that they are underrated. <laughs> security details. I will take you on as clients. I'm a police officer. No, you're not. <laughs> um, I mean, they're important, so they're right where they should be. Okay, that's nice. Good answer. Vitamin supplements. 100% underrated. Absolutely. Okay. And let's see what else we got. How about the show The Office? Uh, overrated. I'm going to say overrated. Yeah. Like it was except for the blooper reel, except for the blooper reel. It's overrated. Mm-hmm. Which like, office? The American office. Yeah. Still same answer. Okay. Uh, what about friends? <laughs> oh, right where it should be. It's amazing. I swear yeah, to God, I, Rich, I swear to God, I better don't fucking give me your address. You better have that plan. <laughs> you better have that go back. Friends came on while I was like in college. It was all right. Uh, right where it should be. I like the blooper reels. I love the blooper reels. Okay. Uh, Parks and Rec. Same thing. Never watched an episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. I liked it in the beginning, but as it went on, I was like, all right, it needs to end already. I don't care anymore. Who was the one character that played uh, that's in Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, Chris Chris Pratt. Yes. I liked him. Other than that, and the baking guy. Yeah. Ron Swanson. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. All right. And the last one for overrated, underrated, The Beach. Oh, come on. That's amazing. It's right where it should be. Yeah. Okay. I just got back from the beach. Oh, love it. Nice. All right. And now we're going to play signal three. Last, uh, last few questions. And then we're going to get out of here. So I'm going to give you something, give you something. And you just say the answer. Don't think about it too hard. Here we go. Um, we'll start with rich this time. Dream vacation destination. Uh, Hawaii. Europe. Okay. Anywhere specifically or just the whole continent? Um, I just want to have like $10,000 in my bank account and a backpack and my boyfriend is me. I'm fine. Perfect. All right. Um, what is your go-to day off drink? Uh, depends on my mood. I see. I cut off beer. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm vino. I'm Italiano. There you go. Is this alcoholic drink or like just drink? Alcoholic. Um, old fashioned. Okay. All right. Very nice. Cherry. High class broad. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one's going to be just for Rich. What was one of your most embarrassing bonehead rookie moves? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I locked my keys in the car and uh, they got it out. I didn't know. And then they moved my car. So I was panicking. Oh, police car got stolen. Police car got stolen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I'm still here about to today. Very nice. Um, all right. Both of you guys, uh, we'll start with Rich. What's your favorite cop movie? 
Oh, God. Cop movies. Uh, to tell you the truth, I do not watch them, but mm-hmm. any lethal weapon. Okay. That's it. I can't watch them. Does training day count? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll, no, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. <laughs> then I'm going to go for training day. I don't know. Okay. That's good. Uh, Rich, what's your favorite donut flavor? Anything with chocolate. Chocolate with chocolate covered glaze with chocolate cream filling. Okay. I like the crumb, I like the crumb donuts, the ones that get all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> a good one. Um, all right, Rich, what was your childhood dream job? <laughs> and being the NBA. I loved basketball. I played basketball up until college. Okay. Erica? Um, a singer. Okay. Very good. All right, Rich, if you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you've never met, who would it be and what would you order? <laughs> dead or alive. Wow. That's a tough one. Um, obviously, it would be one of my Italian side ancestors, my great-grandfather, um, just because I've never met him. and I don't know that much about that side of the family, um, even though I've been to Italy a few times to visit my family, but, um, and I'd order <laughs> pizza. <laughs> Italian pizza is the best. Perfect. Isn't all pizza Italian? Nope. Not even close. Well, you'll oh, see when you go Chicago. No, no, no. no. You got to go to Europe. When you go to Europe, get okay. a pizza. You'll find out. Um, I would go to dinner with my future self and I oh. would, yeah, that bitch is going to be amazing for sure. And then um, I would order the most expensive thing on the menu. Because <laughs> they would pay for it. <laughs> no, Smart. <'cause> I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Oh, man. I know with my dad, it was just the honorable man rule. Hard right over the easy wrong. There you go. Hmm, that's good. Um, Think bigger. Very good. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, late at night, you're watching the latest thing on Netflix, or if you're rich, Big Bang Theory for the 9,000th time. What is your late night snack? <laughs> Trick question. I don't eat at night. <laughs> Slim up. <laughs> okay. If you had to pick a junk food to go to, what would it be? <laughs> I mean, <sighs> peanut M&M's. Okay. That's my weakness. There you go. You'll get some. Um, either Oreos or cereal. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for Oreos. Mm-hmm. And the last one, guys, if you were stuck in a foxhole, who would you want to be trapped with to help you get out? <laughs> what is a foxhole? Is it big? Why you got to bring that up? <laughs> uh, has to be somebody famous or it could be anybody? Anybody. Uh, my buddy, my squad in Iraq. We all came home. Is the foxhole like a metaphor for like when shit gets tough? Um, yeah, because we yeah. don't really dig Is it a fox real foxhole. It's a no, metaphor. It's a metaphor. Um, my boyfriend, because he would protect me <laughs> when it comes to like anything tactical or like tough. I'm useless. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap it up. I really appreciate your time, um, Rich. Do you have anything that you want to say before we uh, sign off? No, I mean, it's great. It's always great to talk. You know, if nobody talks, you know, nothing gets heard. And uh, thank you, Erica. I follow I follow you. And uh, I've been <laughs> I've been utilizing everything you've been showing. 
And it's been working for me. So thank you. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. And Erica, thank you very much. And again, uh, tacmobility.org. Okay, perfect. And uh, yeah, I've been following you as well for quite a while. So it's been good. All the stretches you've been posting i've been i've been trying to do that i so. can't see i can't yeah I'm like trying. there's no trying and doing sir you either do it or you don't you're right yeah. you're, you're, no you're, try you don't fucking watch <laughs> it and still do it <laughs> you're absolutely right now i'm on the hot seat all right thank you guys so much and uh i appreciate your time everybody listening we will be right back another amazing week here on the 10a podcast once again thank you very much to my good friend rich and my new good friend erica for um sharing their experiences sharing their insight and that's what it's all about they say that's what the hokey pokey is all about well no that's what this show is all about it's all about sharing our experiences it's about sharing our knowledge and it's about passing it on so others can learn and grow. So thank you very much for helping me with that one more week. So I am very thankful and very grateful that you guys have allowed me to have this platform. I'm very thankful and grateful for the people that are having these conversations with me every week. Uh, my personal circle has gotten larger and, and more fortified thanks to this show, thanks to this meme page. And I truly do appreciate everything that you guys have done for me. And um, I appreciate it. And I'm very grateful for the opportunities. The episode today is called entitled Not Broke, Just Bent. And I want to talk about that really quick. You know, if you broke your leg and you had to get surgery and you have a scar on your leg for the rest of your life. Nobody would look down on that. If you had to wear a knee brace to um, perform daily activities, no one would think anything negatively of it. If you walked with a limp, 
No one would really say anything. I mean, people might because they're douchebags. But for the most part, good, honest people will not say anything. So then why, when we have mental health injuries, are we so concerned that seeking help, getting treatment, needing medication is something negative? It's not. It's the exact same as that knee brace, as that scar from knee surgery. Same idea, just one is physical, one is mental. And as Erica said, and, and you know, we'll, we can talk about other things, it is physical. There is a physiological response that your body and brain has to mental trauma. So it is quantifiable. It's not just, oh, I don't feel right. No, if, if there were studies to be done on your brain, it would show what normal activity is and it would show what not normal or abnormal activity is. So it is truly a physical condition, but it happens to be in your brain and it happens to affect your emotions and your behaviors and things like that. So what I'm saying is, and what I've been saying for weeks and months since I've been doing this show and since I've had this platform is do not be afraid of seeking the help you need. Um, I've been very open about my mental health journey and, and getting counseling and trying to work through different things that I am not happy with as far as my mental health and my, and my brain. And people have been very open on return that they have seek, sought counseling. They have started speaking to somebody. Uh, some people need medicine. That's totally fine and acceptable. Um, my counselor and I haven't gotten there, but who knows? Maybe we will be getting there. Maybe we won't. I don't know, but I'm not um, against that. And I really hope that the people listening aren't either. You're not broke. You might be a little bent, but you're not broke. And don't ever think that. The original title that I was going to name this episode, and I try to be a little clever with these episodes, started out pretty uh, matter-of-fact, right? When I when I had Dennis Benino on, it was proactive policing, community policing, whatever. Very, very vague. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable in it in this, like, in this creative platform. So, anyway, I named this Not Broke, Just Bent because of what I just explained. But I almost called it Broken Glass. And there's a reason for that. Uh, basically, you can't unbreak glass, right? You can try to repair it the best you can, but you can't unbreak it. And and it's true. It is true. Um, and I thought that was fitting as well for this conversation, but not broke, just bent, just kind of rolled a little bit better. I like the alliteration, the bees, you know. But just keep that in mind, guys. You're not broken. You're not terrible people. You're not bad. If you need help, if you need assistance, if you need to talk to somebody, you're not broken. And um, one of my favorite song lyrics is by Frank Turner, and the song is Recovery. And the song and the lyric says, broken people can get better if they really want to. Or at least that's what I have to tell myself if I'm hoping to survive. That is, like I said, is one of my favorite song lyrics. But, um, you know, that's kind of my mentality. And as I start to come to terms with mental health and learning more about it, that is a great mantra, you know, don't, don't feel bad for seeking help or whatever like that. So I just wanted to talk about it a little bit and say like, don't fear seeking help. Don't fear talking to people. Um, cause it really will make the world a difference. Your family will tell your, uh, significant others, your coworkers, your partners will all tell because we all know you, you know, we can tell when you're not being you. Everyone can tell when someone's not right. Some people will say something, 
and a lot of people won't. But at the end of the day, you have to live with you. Doesn't matter what I say, doesn't matter what your coworkers say. You have to live with you. You have to be happy with who you are, and you need to let that happen. But that basically is all I have to say this week. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Next week, I am going to have on a, an old friend. We're going to have Dr. Elizabeth Dellery back on, and we are going to be talking about ADD and you and me with Dr. D. That's the name of the episode. See, I'm just I'm just so freaking clever. You guys are so welcome. Uh, so yes, we are going to be talking about ADD and actually medication and things that you know you may not want to talk about, you may not be interested in, but trust me, listen to it, and maybe you'll learn something. Again, that's my goal every single week on this show. So hopefully I can provide that to you. And if not, you can just listen to us talk and ramble for just a little bit. That's always fun too. Um, And then after that, the week after that, we're going to have a conversation with poorly made police memes. And then who knows? Then we've got the whole month of June and a whole bunch of stuff coming up. And you know what? I'm excited. I'm excited to continue to share this stuff with you. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. So that concludes the show today. The music for today's episode was Swords and Pens by The Story So Far because they actually have one of the last lyrics of the song. It says, not broke, just bad. But, you know, I didn't get to that part because I only played it the first minute and a half. Then we had Panda, which I didn't know what that song was. And then Erica told me and I was like, let me play it. I was like, oh, that freaking song. Gotcha. Then we had Wherever I May Roam by Metallica for Rich. And we were going to end it with the song I just talked about, Recovery, by Mr. Frank Turner. Again, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite artists. If you aren't listening to Frank Turner, you need to. Great stuff. As always, guys, please check out the meme page if you haven't. And if you haven't, I'm really interested on how you found the podcast. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe to this episode wherever you can. The more reviews, likes, and shares, the more people I reach. And that's really just what I'm aim for and uh yeah share this with your friends your family your co-workers whatever maybe they'll find some enjoyment out of it and if not that's okay too check out the merch store buy you some merch before the store is closed for good yes that's coming and that's all i got for now guys appreciate you guys checking us out we'll see you next time take care of each other stay safe until next week friends 10 8 Blacking in and out in a strange flat in East London Somebody I don't really know just gave me something to help settle me down And to stop me from always thinking about you And you know your life is heading in a questionable direction When you're up for days of strangers and you can't remember anything Except the way you sounded when you told me you didn't know what I should do Like every boring blues song, I get swallowed by the pain And so I fumble for your figure in the darkness just to make it go away But you're not lying there any longer and I know that that's my fault So I've been pounding on the floor and I've been crawling up the walls And I've been dipping in my darkness with serotonin boosters Cider and some kind of smelly 
make a deal If anybody ever asks us Let's just tell them that we met in jail And that's a story that I'm sticking to Like a stony-faced accomplice But tonight I need to hear some truth And I'm never getting through this Yeah, you answer me a letter that said If you're lost at sea Close your eyes and catch the time, my dear And only think of me Well, darling, now I'm sinking And I'm as lost and lost could be And I was hoping you could drag me up and down here towards my recovery Just a subtle little glimmer Some suggestion that you'd have me If I could only make me better Then I would stand a little stronger As I walk a little taller All the time Because I know you are a cynic But I think I can convince you Yeah, cause broken people can get better If they really want to Or at least that's what I have to 